0: There's a nasty bug going around. Uh, of course, we already heard about Toronto's Humber College this year. Uh, just last week, I think Thursday, about what the count is somewhere over 200 now. Students getting sick with this gastrointestinal uh sickness, it looks like, to have been uh, positively ID'd as having the neurovirus. So we want to find out exactly what it is and how you avoid getting the neurovirus. We're joined now by Dr. Samir Gupta. Welcome to the show. Good to talk to you again.
1: Hi, Kelly. Good to be here. Okay. So what exactly is the neurovirus? So the neurovirus um, is one of the viruses that affects the GI tract. Um, and it's it's been called, actually, it's called neurovirus after it was initially um, I guess identified in an outbreak in Norwalk, Ohio in nineteen seventy two. So we used to call it Norwalk like virus. Now we oh. call it Norovirus. Why did we change that? Um I guess it just became a mouthful, Norwalk like virus. So norovirus just kind of slightly confusing.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um, and then
1: there's another one called uh, Sapovirus. We used to call that Sapporo virus, identified in Japan and, and those two are part of the Khaleesi viruses family and no, no, that's not named after the Game of Thrones character. Yeah, that's immediately yeah. where I went, funnily enough. <laughs> but uh, these are viruses that, that affect the GI tract, and, and Norwalk is one that we see outbreaks of pretty much every year. Very common virus. Uh, probably affects about 20 million people in the U.S. every year. Very, very common, and, and outbreaks are common. We see them every winter, particularly in the winters.
0: Okay, if they're so common, why would it take so long to identify what was going on at Humber College?
1: Well, it's a challenge. Actually, you know, in most cases of viral gastroenteritis, there are many potential pathogens. So it's usually one of these viruses, uh, Norwalk uh, or Norwalk family virus, but there are also other viruses that can do it. And it's always a challenge to actually um, culture these viruses or identify them mm-hmm. through, through other lab uh, techniques. And traditionally with uh, these kinds of gastrointestinal diseases, the, the management strategy is just to wait it out. People get right. better quickly, so we don't usually feel the need to do that until we see enough cases where we're concerned about an outbreak and identifying a source.
0: And so that's why it was so important to ID it, because they want to make sure it wasn't food poisoning, because if it was, they'd have to go to the source and find out what was in Humber College to get it off the menu.
1: You're right. I mean, there's, there, you know, when people, when you have outbreaks like this, there are, you know you have to think about all the different ways that a virus like this can spread and you know so the you know the easiest way is person to person but it's it's so-called fecal oral which means that your your bodily secretions in the form of vomitus or, or stool is where the virus is found and so usually it's you know if you're for example it's a child who has neurovirus and a parent you know who's diapering them and is not careful can catch it directly from the child uh, but more commonly it would be from touching um, inanimate objects you know surfaces that have become contaminated and unfortunately, it's a virus that's very resilient. It's, it seems to be able to survive for long periods on things like door handles and, and elevator buttons. And that's where people catch it. But the last sort of form of transmission is when you have a, a food-borne or drinking water type of contamination. And you do see it. You see cases where uh, people in the food industry, for example, somebody has it and is not careful mm. at a restaurant and they can spread it to a bunch of customers. Uh, we've also seen cases where you have uh, wastewater that contaminates, for example, the the water uh, where shellfish, particularly oysters, are being harvested, and so you'll get outbreaks from oysters sometimes, and then sometimes you'll, wow. you'll yes, yeah, that's been reported. And then you'll sometimes get sewage that that creeps into, for example, wells, so well water uh, outbreaks, and then even sewage creeping into recreational water like pools, and so you get
0: that was a pools. a very personal wow, uh, Dr. Gupta, because I was in Mexico uh, two years ago. And I ate an oyster and about, um, and I just didn't, it didn't feel right to me. And about, um, I don't know, five hours later, I was literally rushing to the bathroom and I was basically chained in there uh, both, both ways, if you know what I'm getting at. That way. (laughs) So I could have had norovirus. It could, I think that's a
1: little early. Five hours, I, I think, is too soon for norovirus. You probably had a toxin-mediated gastroenteritis, which happens that fast. It's a toxin uh, that's preformed that causes that, as opposed to norovirus, which it has been described as early as 12 hours uh, after infection. But usually the incubation period is in the 24 to 48 hours before people get symptoms.
0: Nice to be diagnosed on the air. <laughs> <laughs> and I know it's dinner time, but uh, without getting too graphic, uh, how can you uh, surmise that you've got neurovirus? What's going on? It's really, what are the
1: symptoms? It's very typical. It's, it's very usually sudden onset explosive, uh, diarrhea, vomiting, sometimes fever. Um, people can also have abdominal cramps. Uh, sometimes they can have a little bit of mucus in the stool. And if it 's bad enough, people can quickly become dehydrated. You know none of those symptoms are sort of specific for this particular virus. any of the the viruses that cause gastroenteritis can cause those symptoms. but um, you know it's one of the common causes, and particularly if if you're hearing about an outbreak in your area. Unfortunately, there's not much you can do except ride it out and, and wash your hands. Hydrated yeah. throughout. Yeah.
0: Okay. So, uh, wash your hands. Wash your hands. Wash your hands is the big deal because anything you touch right now—you touch your face or your mouth—odds are good that you could get
1: it. If you wash your hands often, you, you know you're you're going to be protecting yourself. And if you're sick, make sure you wash your hands often and stay away from people. Uh, the challenge with this virus is that. Mm-hmm. There is a small percentage of people who contract it who don't have symptoms, but they still spread it. Really? Yeah. So it depends. In in one study, it was 12%, uh, more commonly quoted numbers, 30%. But there are these people out there who have this and uh, can potentially spread it. But again, it's spread only if you're not careful uh, after going to the bathroom. You know, if people are very Mm -hmm. diligent about washing their hands, uh, it shouldn't spread.
0: I heard you should sing happy birthday uh, twice while you're washing your Mm -hmm. hands. (laughs) In order to wash your hands for a long enough amount of time. The longer you do it, the better. But yeah, yeah,
1: uh, that would be a reasonable rule (laughs) of thumb. Uh, And, and, you know, make sure to use your soap and and dry it off carefully. Is there a season?
0: Because the flu has a season. Is there a neurovirus season right now?
1: It's more common in the winter. You know, it's seen year-round. But uh, they call it uh, winter vomiting disease. You know, it is more commonly seen in the winter.
0: All right. Well, listen, I appreciate all your uh, insight and, and, you know, diagnosing me live on the air.
1: <laughs> For everyone to know.
0: <laughs> Have, I started it. Have yourself a fantastic nice evening. Standing,
1: Kelly. Take care.
0: Dr. Samir Gupta is a global news medical correspondent, awful good guy, heard on the show often. It's the John Oakley show with guest host. Mwah.